These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife. I'm Dave Marr. I'm the host of this show. And in this podcast, I talk to creative people, talk to activists about what comes after all of this. We are exploring the here by thinking about the there. In this episode, I talk to Kira Jones, who is a wonderful, delightful, multi-hyphenate actor, writer, theater, film creator. And you will hear more about that in just a second. It'll be pretty obvious when you start the episode and when you listen, but this was recorded shortly after Chadwick Boseman died. And it's not that important, my my impression of Chadwick Boseman before. I, cer- I certainly didn't hate him, but I just, I didn't get it as much. I thought he was like fine. And so I was kind of surprised when I saw this outpouring of love for him. And then I was reading all these things and I started to understand it better. And Kira really gives that perspective. I mean, in some ways it makes sense that I didn't fully get it and probably still don't fully get the Chadwick Boseman thing. Even that sounds condescending. I don't mean it to be. Just his importance to the black community. It's like, of course, as a white dude, I would not get that importance fully. So it's cool in an episode with Kira where we're talking very heavily about black art and black artists and her artistic heroes and kind of being in creative communion with them in some sort of lineage. It was nice to have her kind of give her perspective on what Chadwick Boseman meant to her. And the only real different contribution I have to the Chadwick Boseman conversation is something I wrote about in my newsletter, Hella Immaculate, a couple weeks ago. It's just this concept of people, I mean, it feels like every year, but especially recently, just, oh, 2020 is the worst year ever. Or like, I feel, honestly, I feel like it was since Trump got elected 2016, just could this year get any worse? And the answer is yes, it gets, it gets worse. It all, it keeps getting worse. Not that it's all bad, but my point being, it's, it's not the year. And I get it. People have different ways of venting their frustration and grief. I'm not holding anyone over the fire for tweeting some shit. I'm just saying maybe it would be more mature and we would be able to process these complicated feelings more if we spoke to the actual feelings as opposed to just shitting out a thought about how the year sucks. Let's take that as a given. 2020 sucks. Where do we go from there? Anyway. Those are my thoughts on the more the celebrity death conversation or the how is this year going conversation than the Chadwick Boseman conversation. I think Kira covers the Chadwick Boseman conversation beautifully in this episode. That said, please do what you can to support the show. Right now, that means subscribing in your podcast app if you like the show. It means going and rating it five stars. It means reviewing the show saying something nice about it. Those are the ways you can help out the show at the moment. You can follow me and Kira at the links in the show notes. And let's get into it. 
This is Kira Jones. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to me in three separate scenarios, okay? The first one is imagine that I'm a stranger in a rideshare. Great. I like that face, that sort of horrified face. Second one is that I'm a friend at a party, like a new friend at a party. And then the third one is you're at the gates of heaven. St. Peter is there and he's got his list and he's like, I'm sure you're here, but we have a lot of Kira Joneses. And I, so I need you to just give me a little bit, a few more specifics about which Kira Jones you are. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, if you were a stranger to Rice, I wouldn't speak to you. Okay, done. <laughs> I might say hello, but okay. I'm not going to introduce myself. Love it. Love it. Uh, I don't even like to speak to the driver. I hate when he wants to um, talk to me. So, party, potential new friend, someone you're excited to get to know a little bit more. And I'm like, Kira, what do you do? Oh, uh, so I am an artist, um, an actor, and a filmmaker. I am a screenwriter. I am training to be an intimacy uh, an intimacy coordinator, which is kind of like a fight choreographer, but for intimate scenes uh, on screen or on stage. And I also work at a university. I work in our sexual health and violence resource center. I do a lot of things. I do too many things. Uh, I'm overwhelmed all the time, but I like all the things I do. So that's cool. <laughs> what are the tricks that make an on-screen, like the the top or on-screen or on stage, maybe it's different, but the things that you can think of that like right away, little things that make sex seem way more real than it is. The breathing. Okay. Yeah. We talk a lot about um, breath during intimate scenes. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of breathing that happens during sex. And it (laughs) really, you know, and and it's going to change depending on what type of sex you're having. And um, I think that that, you know, and the the type of noises that people make. uh, Wait, what do you mean? Yeah, like, I mean, you know what I, you know exactly what I mean. Like, don't make me explain it. Um, Yeah, like, if people are making, like, super porny noises, like, it's gonna be fake. So, like, we try to explain, like, the noise that you're making should be, like, you reacting to something. There should, it should Mm -hmm. have a genesis that makes sense with the movements that you're doing or what your character is experiencing, that you're not just, like, yelling because that's what you saw on Bang Bros. Like, so... (laughs) Do you say that exactly? I You're might. like, listen, cut the bang bros out no, of this. I mean, shit. I've definitely, I've definitely told actors like, this sounds like porn. This doesn't sound real. Stop doing that. <laughs> let's let's think about how we can change um, this up. Okay, and then Saint Peter. Oh man, Saint Peter. <laughs> you guys have I'm a history. I'm probably not it supposed like. to be. Here. I'm not. You know, I'm grew up Catholic, and I'm probably not supposed to be here. Why not? Grandma- Why don't you think you're supposed to be here? I, I do a lot of things that Catholics not supposed to do. And, you know, you could ask my grandma, I could give you her name. She'll let you know, I, you know, I, I'm all right. Like, um, please don't send me to hell. Uh, I'm gay. And, um, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I, I think abortion should be 
free and, and legal and accessible. And I, there's lots of stuff that you probably don't want me in here for. But look, I'm but I'm here. Are you well, so do you want to be in, or do you not want to be? I in? do want to. Oh, okay. You no, know, okay. I would. I don't. I would like to be in, but like I'm not going to lie about who I am. And if that's an issue, then no. I would rather you not lie about who you are. Yeah. So <laughs> had some premarital sex. I talked to other people about having premarital sex. I gave them condoms so they could have premarital sex. Like, is that cool? <laughs> talked about growing up catholic do you retain any of those old ideas about what happens after death do you have theories about it i don't know that i have like a a theory about what happens after death i mean i hope that there is an afterlife i think just the idea of disappearing into the abyss is a little frightening (laughs) um and i so i can understand you know why religion might uh, assuage some of the anxiety that folks feel around that because I definitely feel anxiety around it. And I probably feel more anxiety because I, I'm not religious. But I do like hope, you know, one of the things that I I hope whatever the afterlife looks like is that idea of being reunited with people who have passed away before you. Like I would, you know, and I, I would love to like not just see, you know, my, my grandparents and stuff, but like, can I hang out with Prince? Is that a thing that I get to do? Okay. Like, you know, are, are we chopping it up with Jimi Hendrix? Like, can I get an invite to that party, that mm-hmm. concert? Like, that sounds great. So um, musicians are like top of the list for you. Uh, I don't even know if they're the top of the list. I mean, I think I, I, artists generally. Sure, sure. Um, but it is, I think music is one of those things where, you get like the live performance, like you, it's so different. And then, so when somebody passes away, like, yeah, you can still listen to their records, but like, you can't go to like, one of their concerts. Whereas, you know, it's another experience when a, an actor passes away, you know, let's just take Chadwick Boseman, for example, which <sighs> very yeah. upset about. Yeah. Um, very, you know, there's a lot of really um, tragic and also amazing things about him passing, but it's like, we still have his perform especially because he's a film actor we still have his performances recorded we can still watch those things and you know unfortunately we won't get to see well he has like one more movie coming out but um right is that the ma rainey one yeah yeah Yeah. it's a august wilson um yeah and i think denzel directed it or either producer directed it but um but like it's not like you we won't see a live we weren't going to see a live performance from him probably unless he like you know did that thing where he gets older and just goes on broadway um so it's a little bit of a different feeling of of loss um yeah he's yeah he's just he's really interesting to me because i had you know before he died i had not like thought because because reading like old profiles it's like so much of what he did was like biopics and I'm not mm-hmm. a huge biopic fan, so I hadn't realized like the stature he had to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played like you know the biopics that he was in. He's playing like big, big, you know, yeah. icons. James in Black Brown, History. Jackie yeah. Robinson, right? Yeah, and Thurgood Marshall, right, um, right, right. Which he looks nothing like Thurgood Marshall, so I don't know what that casting was, but 
go ahead. He doesn't um, look much like Jackie Robinson or James Brown either. He was a little bit more like them. Sure. With some sure. makeup on, but nothing like Thurgood Marshall. Out. Like, yeah. not even the right skin tone. But. <laughs> right, right, um, right. But, yeah, like, like he, he really got his, his start doing biopics and then what made him into, like, a worldwide phenomenon was, was Black Panther. But there's, like, every role that he did was so... Um, I mean, obviously he's an incredible actor, but like he knew he he specifically chose roles that he knew would like have a huge impact on the black community and help uh tell our history and make history, and so it's especially hard to lose a, an artistic icon like this, like during the time where black people are, you know, fighting to get the the rights and the recognition um, and the safety that they deserve. And um, so there's so many things about his death that, that are hitting people, especially black people, but also the fact that like knowing that he was doing all of this while, while struggling with cancer right. and not telling anyone, like nobody, like none of his co-stars knew, like not, nobody that's worked with That's insane to me. I, yeah. I think the thing that's like impressive to me is this sense of like mission. It's like, it's so rare. And I think we, we so ideal. I think so many of us are like, I just wish my, I knew my purpose in life, you know, but this man had a sense of like, I know why I am here and I need to get it done. It's like, Mm. and that's such a like human ideal to like have your purpose in life and to be like living it. So with so much integrity. Yeah, absolutely. And he, I was telling my roommate, he is one of like the only celebrity, especially men where like you can't, like after they pass away, there's nothing bad to say about them. Like <laughs> sure. nothing. No one is ever like Chadwick was a jerk to me in yeah. the green room. No one's like yeah. Chadwick, you know, said this messed up thing about black women. Like nothing, right. nothing right. but amazing, wonderful things. <laughs> um, because you know, when Kobe Bryant died, that was a much different sure. experience on social a media. More than More complicated legacy, yeah. Yeah, and he just I don't no one has anything but wonderful things to say about how kind and humble and hardworking and talented he is, which is rare because when I die, there are gonna be people that be like, I don't like that bitch. I'm glad she's dead. But <laughs> no one is glad that Chowder goes with his dead. That's a great uh transition to my next question, which is funeral planning. Like in terms of in terms of things you want at your funeral, you know. Oh my god! <laughs> what do you have in What do you have in mind? You could you could try to, um, you know, you can try to manipulate what people are going to say about you because if someone was on the fence and then you just have like a banging funeral, maybe that's your legacy. You know. Yo, my funeral is about to be the turn up. Um, okay. I don't want a sad funeral. I don't like funerals. They creep me out. I don't like sure. dead bodies. They, I'm, I have like a, a rational fear of dead bodies. Yes. Um, and I like I, I hate like open casket funerals. I, I I cannot do them. Um, I'm getting I'm better now. Uh, with my as I've aged. Um, but. I, I would prefer not to have to look at a dead body. So first of all, I don't want my body at the funeral. That's gross and weird. Um, and I don't, I don't even know if I would, I would want a wake 
I know that that's part of like closure for some folks, like seeing the body before it just disappears mm. forever. Um, but I don't want people to remember me dead, <laughs> you know? Um, so, and that's something I've been like thinking about since, you know, my grandma passed away, like during quarantine, not from COVID, she was just old. Um, and because of that, we weren't able to have a funeral and they had to like cremate her pretty immediately. So I've been thinking, I'm like, would I feel more, I feel like I honestly would get more closure from just being able to be around my family, but I can't do that more than that. Like the celebration of her life would give me more closure than the, like seeing her body in a casket. Um, but anyway, that was beside the point. No, um, <laughs> it's not because she, because you weren't able to see her. Right. Yeah. No, I hadn't see. she passed away. I want to say June and I hadn't seen her. Last time I saw her was Christmas. So, um, yeah. so I, when I saw her, like she, She'd been losing her mobility for like years and years now, so she like wasn't very mobile, and she she's been in it. She had been in and out of the hospital, and it was definitely different to see her like that. But she was still like mentally was still herself, and um, and then things kind of went down downhill, and even just being able to talk to her on the phone, I couldn't. You know, she she wasn't. Uh, cognitively able to you yeah. know, have a conversation with me and everything. So it was just like, I wanted to be, you know, it, it would have been nice to be able to stay here and, and say goodbye, but that, you know, traveling was not possible at that point. What um, things did you do to you? Cause you keep talking about closure. What things did you do to create that closure for yourself from, you know, inside your house? Like we all are right now. Um, I don't know. It was, well, I have a great roommate, you know, she was there for me. Um, and I knew that she, my grandma was going to die soon. Like I was yeah. just kind of like, it's, she was in hospice and everything. Um, so I, when she died, I, I ordered, so I'm, my grandma is from Trinidad and there's no Trinities here in Chicago. They don't exist. Um, but. Food, uh, you mean? So, there's just none of us, period. But there's oh, definitely. Oh, 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 What yeah. It's Trinities? Trinies. Trinies. Okay. All right. Um, okay. And there's none of us. And then there's no food. So the closest thing I can get is uh, Jamaican food. Right. So I ordered Jamaican food and. Um, what was the order? Curry goat. Curry goat. Okay. Okay. Um, with. Uh, pigeon peas and rice and plant plantains so okay before anyone comes for me the like west indians say that big old banana they say plantains it's not plantains mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um and people think i'm just saying it wrong but i'm not it's no no i've heard plantains yeah yeah <laughs> um and um cabbage that's what i had and um I talked to my family a lot on the phone about it. Um, you know, I wrote, I'm a writer. So I like wrote her a tribute. Um, I put it on social media and it's interesting because, you know, I love my grandma so much and I talk about her all the time and she's so you know funny. I have all these stories about her. So even though most of my friends had never met my grandma before, they were like, I feel like I know your grandma. We can talk about her so much wow. and you have so many great stories about her and you share them with us. Um, so, it was nice to, you know, kind of be able to you know, a couple of my friends that I grew up with 
who met her and knew her, you know, shared memories about her. Like I totally forgot when I was, I want to say it was like my eighth birthday or something. I had a tea party and my grandma made like tea sandwiches. She made like cucumber sandwiches mm-hmm. and like cut them in little. And my friend was like, I still remember those tea sandwiches your grandma made. Like every time I see tea, I see tea sandwiches. I think about your grandma. And I was like, oh my god, that was so. That was literally like twenty years ago. Wow, yeah. And it's crazy that you remember that. <laughs> so, any other aspects of your funeral that you want to plan in advance? Oh yeah, um, there's gonna be strippers. Wait, what? Uh, pole dancers, at least. They don't have to be naked. But uh, for okay. all, I, I, mean, I love pole dancing. I do it um, as a hobby. But, you know, I don't think anyone... Who is sad at a strip club? No one. Um, Wait. And what? I think there are plenty of sad pro- people. They probably they go there because they are sad and they want to be happy. No one is yeah. like, I'm going to the strip club to be sad. Yeah, okay? but it doesn't always work. It's not like they come out of the strip club with a pep in their step every time. I, I'm not... But I'm saying, like... You know, if you're going to celebrate someone's life, like celebrate their life. Sure. And no, no. I'm not saying it's not – it can't be celebratory. I'm just saying that I don't think the strip club is a universally happy place. That's all I'm saying. It would be more – you know, I think for some people, they have connotations about the strip club and about like why strippers are stripping and, and all these things that are not necessarily true and are pretty misogynistic. Um, so I will definitely make sure that we, that whoever is running my, my funeral is like, listen, y'all are going to understand. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll send out um, the history a little education, stripper, a little education sure. pr- okay. before people <laughs> arrive. Um, but there will be, there will be pole dancers. Um, I want there to be like a giant dessert bar. I love dessert. Mm. Um, and top I, three desserts. What are the desserts on this bar? Ice cream. Okay. Jenny's ice cream specifically. Mm. Um, um, so again, we're coming back to Trinidad. Uh, there is a, a cake that we usually have for Christmas, but also I think they use it for weddings. Um, it's a black cake so it's like it's it's a fruit cake but the it's not nasty like white people fruit cake okay. like um it's like the fruit is ground up and it's black because they put like burned sugar in it and they wow. soak it in rum for like weeks and it's amazing um so what's black it called cake, black cake oh okay it's great black cake. um and um lemon bars mm, okay okay that's a nice variety there. Yeah. Um, also, I want the strippers to have G-strings with my face on it. And uh, Where would your face go? A G-string is like, there's not a lot on of- On the front part. Okay. Okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and yeah, like, hopefully by the time I die, I have a nice catalog of um like films and, and television shows and stuff that I have been in or written in and everything. So that will be playing, you know, on a loop in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be a party. Okay. Yeah. That's like the most well-produced slideshow that people do at funerals, like mm-hmm. an actually professionally produced TV and film, like a reel, yeah. like you want them to play your reel. Yeah. Sort of. Play my reel. <laughs> Let them know what I did. Like, remember the <laughs> cool shit I did. What's up? It's Dave. 
If you like This Is Your Afterlife, you should go to thisisdavemar.com and sign up for my free newsletter, Hella Immaculate. Every week in the newsletter, I share, one, a micro-essay about an aspect of creativity or culture, like the creative lessons of Drag Race Thailand or the visionary anti-racism of Hoobastank. Two, a hyper-specific playlist, for example, 90s Beach Xanax or Polo de Don set for 2008 Pitchfork Music Festival after party where I saw Julia Stiles. And finally, a few actions we can take to pour water on our world on fire. Hella Immaculate is a way for me to connect with audiences beyond live venues and across the globe. And it's the best way to learn about classes I'm teaching, podcast updates, eventual live shows, and whenever I'm typecast as a homeless addict again on a TV show set in Chicago. Again, go to thisisdavemar.com to subscribe to my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. As you may know, I'm a DIY operation, so please tell your friends. A hard vouch means everything. Back to the show. My next question is, well, is is a prompt. I'm going to ask you to relive one memory. Because in my solo show, which is called Feed Wolf Ice Cream, which I based this podcast on, it's set in the afterlife. And I'm providing this orientation to the audience. I'm saying, here are... Here's the things you know need here are the things you need to know about the afterlife. And one of the things that I propose is that you get to fully relive one memory. So you drop down into it, you're not just in your head flashing back to it. You're not stuck there. It's just like a room that you can visit whenever you want. So if that were the case, what is and it doesn't have to be the memory of your whole life, but what is one memory? you would choose to relive whenever you want, if you could? Ooh, that's a good question. Just like, yeah, just be in it. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of split between two. And one of them is like not that specific. Like, I, you know, I just would love to – spend time with my grandmas. And I don't even know if I like have a specific memory with my grandma that I would want to relive. I just, you know, it literally, you could drop me in my kitchen, in her kitchen with me and um, just to be able to be around her more. Maybe, you know, at a time where she was, you know, more mobile. Sure. Be good. Um, or this is completely <laughs> um, out of, the out of the realm of what I was of, of kitchen with grandma. But um, so uh, when I was uh, 19 and I was so cute and the world had not uh, destroyed me yet, um, I was able to like finesse my way into like being friends with Childish Gambino's band. Um, okay. Okay. And so was this um, over a period of time or was this was this was one night that you No, it was many times. We hung out a lot of times. But there's like one specific time where um and there's a photo of me with, with Childish Gambino from this night. Um but like, you know, his we I made friends with his band, specifically his brother, uh Steve. And <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I I have thoughts about Steve, but I won't share them. Okay. Um okay. so um and he um this so we would whenever they were in town um on tour or whatever he you know somebody from his band or steve would like hit me and my friend up and you know invite us you know backstage to watch the show whatever and this one day um we were going down it was like Lollapalooza 
uh, Donald was playing uh, Lollapalooza. And Steve was like, come down to the hotel where we're all staying, like chill with us. So we come down and, you know, I met Donald like before he, you know, like we'd exchanged words. Like, you know, he knew I existed, but we never really, you know, kicked it. Mm-hmm. And I get to the hotel and Steve is standing outside with Donald. And I was like, oh my God, it's Donald. And he was like, oh, hey, uh, they had a, you know, Lollapalooza has after shows. Um, and he had an after show the night before. And he was like, oh, you were at the the show last night. And I was like. Childish Gambino remembers me. I was like, yeah. And he was like, what are y'all doing? And we were just like, oh, we were just going to hang out. And he was like, do you want to come into my hotel room and chill with me and Steve? And we were like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, we want to hang out with you. So it was literally just me, my friend, Donald and Steve, like hanging out in Donald Glover's hotel room for like three or four hours. Um, And it was super fun. And Donald's so nice. And I, yeah, I would relive that memory. I, I would be dropped into that memory. That would be a super fun memory for me to be dropped into. So it sounds like the part of the memory that was the most enjoyable in some ways was the invite in front of the hotel. Right. I was like, what? I'm a bad bitch. Donald Glover's inviting me to hang out with him. I will never be this cool ever again in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, yes, no, he invited me to hang out with him again one other time. But um, Okay. But not as exclusive. He was just like, we're going to a bar. You can come. (laughs) And this was literally just like hanging out as friends? Mm Mm-hmm. Because I hear hear like, you know, come to the hotel. Hey, do you want to go to my hotel room? And it feels like I'm like expecting a shady situation. There was nothing shady. Nothing shady happened. He literally like taught us how to like DJ and like (laughs) gave us snacks. Like it was so nice. What kind of snacks? <clears throat> I don't. I don't even remember what the snacks were. Okay. Um. But I, there were snacks, and yeah, no, like, because I, I were actually the first. I wasn't afraid of the hotel at that point because I'd hung out with his band like so many times that sure. I was like, if anyone's gonna do anything, they probably would have tried it by now. Um. But and you got a friend rem- with you, and I had a friend with me. Um. And you know, Donald just isn't very kind lovely person mm-hmm. that that does not mean you know dangerous sure. not always sure. a foot but like um i but i do remember so the first time when we met um the band they invited us on their tour bus after a show and that's what i was afraid at first i was like eh, are they gonna murder us on this tour bus? right right <laughs> no one murdered us no one did anything sure it was really nice like so you know that is good. I'm fortunate. You know, I was reckless at 19, just jumping on tour buses. But um, so the way well. you finessed yourself was just accepting their invitation. What was it when you because you, you talked about kind finessing of. your way into friendship? You know, I didn't even really finesse it. You okay, it was it just like, you were like, a cute 19 year old girl. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pretty much, sure. and especially because, like, at that point, because this was like pretty earlier in in Childish Gambino's career he just released his first studio album and his fans there weren't he did not have very many female fans like I remember going to that concert and it was like just a sausage fest and not even a lot of black people it was like a lot of like nerdy white dudes nerdy indie bros right yeah and like a sprinkling of nerdy black guys and Mm -hmm. then like me and my friends (laughs) so they were just like oh my god a lady and so (laughs) Um, they even had said they were like, cause like, I think the whole band at that point was also men and they were literally like, 
there's just too much like masculine energy on this tour and we would just like to be near ladies. <laughs> they were so nice. Like they didn't, they did not do anything inappropriate. Well, one dude did lick my face, but he was like drunk. Wh- um, whoa, it just was like a, I'm the crazy party dude. Or is it like, I'm going to lick your face and hopefully you lick back. I really don't know what his intentions okay. were. Okay. But okay. like somebody else in the band was like, you can move over here. Don't lick her face. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <sighs> okay. And so so this moment of going through or, or yeah, showing up at the hotel, the what about it feels so relivable? It feels so the recognition is there. It feels like there's a self not self-esteem, but like a oh wow, I'm special sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I think so. And also just like Especially at that time where Donald was kind of a pioneer of, like, making nerdy Black people cool. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. remember, like, listening to his music and, you know, watching his stand-up and, and watching him on Community and, and that being the closest thing to me seeing myself on on television. Um because you know, up until then, I, there I didn't see a lot of characters that, or, or people like celebrities that felt like they were. I could have been friends with them, um, and I think you know now we have way more uh, people, black people who um, don't have to or not forced to to be you know stereotypical versions of blackness and who you know I, now I got Issa Rae and all these other folks but like mm-hmm. at that point like it was really just Donald yeah and so getting to hang out with like somebody that I admired so much and seeing just how like compassionate and and thoughtful and and funny and he was because sometimes you know you meet your they they say like never meet your idols because sometimes they will disappoint you and he really Mm -hmm. did not um so i think that's what felt special is like oh you are still the you you're the person i think that you are um and um like i'm glad that i stand you because sometimes (laughs) when you stand someone you have to stop standing them because they do something terrible (laughs) yeah no doubt well and it sounds like there's a thing for you of like just based on oh is Prince going to be up here? Is Jimi Hendrix going to be up here? That there's a thing of like, I won't even say musicians, but it seems like there is some magic for you in hanging out with a celebrity. Does that feel? Is, I mean, not just the, any celebrity. Of course, like of some, course. Yeah, but yeah, someone that like you some, like put a lot of weight into. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I it's more like, I would say artists and like yes. celebrities are the artists that get like the most of course, exposure. Of so we become the most right. um, familiar with their work. Um, but you know, there's, um, and I guess like a high achieving artist, like someone who's like at the top of their craft yeah, high, at the, I think. Yeah. Also like specifically a high achieving black artists. Like I don't need to meet white people. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I meet them every day. Fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't one want to be able to like experience their, their art. Again, especially if it's like some, like I said, a musician where you can't see them live anymore unless mm-hmm. they're the hologram. Um, and then um, just be able to like pick, not pick their brain, but they, yeah, I guess pick their brain and, and see um, where all the greatness came from. 
I want to know what's your coma because I had a coma, you know, I was out for a month about five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my life changed after that, not right away, but I'm wondering, is there a moment for you could be a month, could be a minute where you, where it felt like a part of you died and, and through that moment, something else, some new part of you was born. There's a few moments that I can think of that feel, feel like that. Um, some of them are depressing, so I will just skip those ones. But It can um, be a depressing one if it feels important, if you want to say it. Uh, we'll but skip it doesn't those have ones. to be. Okay. Uh, but, but a positive one um, is I think the moment that um, my c- co-creator – Julie and I came up with the idea for my web series, The Right Swipe. Um, like, because honestly, since that night, we came up with the idea in a night and, you know, we wrote the outline, everything. We were just so inspired and we were trapped in the house because it was cold. Uh, it was Chicago winter. We we're like, we're not going to the club. It's not happening. Wow. Um, and I think since Had then, you known I, you wanted to make something together? Or no. were you just tossing back and forth ideas? We were not even tossing ideas back and forth. What had happened was, so The Right Swipe <laughs> is about, um, as you can probably tell from the title, uh, dating apps. Particularly, uh, we explore like what dating apps are like for people of marginalized identities. Um, and I was, le- Julie and I were just hanging out and um swiping on dating apps and sometimes I will let Julie swipe on the dating app for me, but then she matched me with a cop. So now she's not allowed to do that anymore. Um, (laughs) Banned. But we were just looking through and we were just like, why are, why are men so bad at dating apps? Like why do they uh, choose the worst photos of themselves? Um, They really do like blurry photos, all these group photos. First of all, I get really mad when like their first photo is like them with someone else, like one of their friends and their friend is cuter than them. So I think that it's the cute friend. And then I go further in their photos. I'm like, no, it's the ugly one. Why did you try to trap me like that? Uh, Sometimes I'm like, I'll match with you just to ask for your friend's phone number, but that's petty. Um, But you know, and then like non-existent bios, like, you know, just says like, oh, I like craft beer. And like, that's it. Um, that's everyone and- on dating apps. Travel and yeah. craft beer and bacon oh my God. sometimes. First of all, I can't even have beer. I can't have gluten. And <laughs> there's like, I like the office. I'm like, everyone likes the office. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, so we were kind of discussing that and we were, Julie is a professional photographer. And she was, I was like, you know, you should just charge men to take photo for, to uh, photograph them for their, dating apps and she was like yeah that'd be a good idea just like you could write their bios and we were like we should make a business and then we were like no because then we'd have to talk to men and that sounds (laughs) terrible so let's just make it a web series (laughs) and so we we like outlined the web series that night um and so we everything moved really quickly after you know we started writing and people jumped on board like you know between we, we came up with the idea i think january february of that year. And by November, we had, you know, completed principal photography for um, the pilot. And um, I think, you know, really since then, that was like the turning point where I was like, you know, I love acting, I still do it. But I think 
that I really do need to um, pursue filmmaking and screenwriting uh, as well. Um, and maybe even prioritize that. So that was definitely a, a huge shift in my career and who I am as an artist um, that I, you know, thank, very thankful for. So thank God we did not go to the club that night because we were supposed to. So what is it about filmmaking that felt like it resonated with you on a deeper level than just acting? I think the agency that it provides, the acting does not. Um, you are so at the mercy as an actor of like, who wants to cast you and in what role and when, and like, even like how you can play that role a lot of the times, you know, if your idea of the character is different than the director's, then like, basically, fuck you, you got to do what the director wants. Um, and, you know, as a writer, I got to like, you, the, the writing is like the genesis of any project. Like, you know, you can't without the words, what are you going to make? Um, and so in some ways, to me, it feels like the the most, not the most agency, but like um, being able to be the the match that strikes the fire of like whatever the story is was um, really empowering to me, especially as a as a black woman and knowing how many how how stereotypical a lot of the characters that are written um, for us are. So I love that. I loved, you know, even when we had our auditions, uh, people coming in, particularly people of color, people of other marginalized identities coming in and saying, um, some of them said it in the room and other times I, you know, ran into people who auditioned like out and about and they would be like, you know, I, that script was really great. And it was one of the first times that I went into an audition and one saw people across at the sitting at the table that looked like me yeah. and you know playing a role that I didn't feel gross about that felt like sure, it could Jesus, be me or yeah. somebody one of my friends or um and so I was like I want to be like as an actor like I want to be able to provide actors with that experience more um you know regard and it was it's amazing because like you know these people were people that did not book the role and they were like I still really want to support this series because like I just really loved that audition that is um, a win man to have people who didn't get it be like i'm here to you want you want me on the street team i'm here for you mm -hmm. yeah so um you know representation uh on screen it doesn't just have an impact on it has, it has an impact on so many people not just the audiences who watch it but the artists who get to, to be involved um and so it i feel like i can make more change in the industry as um behind the camera than I can just being in front of it. Like being able to bounce back and forth, I think is maybe the ultimate type of power. Like we see all the moves that Donald Glover is making. We see all the moves that Issa Rae is making. Like you have, to, I feel like to, to make the most waves, like you need to have your artistic hands in more than one area. Yeah. And it feels like this is you kind of stepping into the realm that these like powerful black artists that you love exist in that you're trying to. sure. Right. Trying, but like, yeah. And even kind of looking at Chadwick Boseman that like that ethos of trying to actually do real good in your work. Yeah. Um, 
that is what I want more than I want. You know, I don't even really care about like awards or anything like that. Like, I just want to have a positive impact <laughs> on Black people, specifically Black women. I mean, you know, I mean, whatever. White people can be positively impacted too. I, For sure. If cool. they happen to get positively if, impacted, great. Great. They're not my focus. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's our show. Thank you so much to Kira. Thank you to you for listening. And come back next week. You can follow Kira at Kira.a.jones. That's K-Y-R-A. You can find her there on Instagram. And you can find me everywhere at This Is Dave Marr. Take care of yourself in this shitty fucking year. And come back next week. Miracles. Miracles. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do miracles.